Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor. And once again, I'm so glad to be here with you for this week's episode, which is all about being intentional about your midlife sexual self with special guest, Dr. Sonia Wright. I'm super excited to introduce you to my guest today. She is perfect for the Women in the Middle podcast because first, she's a woman in the middle who has switched up her career in midlife. And second, She's an expert in a topic that is a hot one, no matter your age. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Dr. Sonia Wright is a board-certified radiologist, of all things, a sexual counselor, and a life coach. She received her education from Stanford University, the University of California, San Francisco School of Medicine, the Mayo Clinic, and the University of Michigan. She's on a mission to help women embrace their sexuality as well as end the emotional pain and isolation associated with sexual difficulties. She believes wholeheartedly that all women deserve to experience pleasurable sexual intimacy. Sonia has a natural ability to put people at ease, as you will see, (laughs) while discussing all of these sensitive issues related to sex. You will totally appreciate this as we giggle our way through parts of this interview. She enjoys combining this natural ability with her medical knowledge sexual counseling skills, and life coaching tools to create her unique brand of sex coaching. She tackles the hard issues by normalizing the situation and sharing helpful information while coaching from a caring and humorous perspective. I think that by the end of the interview, you'll agree that sexuality and sexual intimacy are a normal part of life and also that sexual difficulties happen and should be addressed without shame. She totally believes that it is possible to create the sex life of your dreams, no matter your age. Okay, my friends, so that's a little bit about Dr. Sonia Wright. I also just wanted to let you know that depending on your comfort level with sexuality, anatomy, and simply talking about this stuff, you might find yourself squirming a little here and there. (laughs) That's okay. It's totally worth it. Dr. Sonia even noticed me using the expression down there instead of the proper terminology, and she promptly called me out and shared an excellent lesson on why it's important to do so. Also, this may not be the best episode for podcast listening on a road trip in the car with your family. (laughs) You may want to put your earbuds in for this one. Prepare to giggle, blush, and take charge of your sex life. Here we go. Hi, Sonia. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Women in the Middle podcast. Hi, Susie. It's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, my gosh, you guys. Dr. Sonia's in the house. So the thing is, not only are we going to be diving into the whole sex thing or the whole lack of sex thing, but we're also going to be talking about what gets me super excited, not in a libido way, but it's that you have made a career pivot. And I want to start there because anytime I can have somebody in the podcast, on the podcast, who's really done some serious thought work about what she really wants career-wise and then done it, we just have to know more. So tell us, Sonia, what the heck was going on that you went from radiology to sex? What's happening? (laughs) I could say correlation, like it's all done in the dark or something fun (laughs) like that, right? But really, what I'd, I would have to uh, look back at when I was making that transition, when I was thinking about what is it that I want to do. So I would say I was in my mid to late 40s, maybe about 46, 47. And I loved my career as a radiologist, but I felt like I wanted to contribute more in a different way. And at the same time, I had hired my own life coach, and I realized what a difference that was making in my life. And, you know... Um, being a doctor, it, it has some challenging aspects to it. There's, uh, you work long hours. Sometimes there's difficult schedules that you have to deal with. And um, very often doctors deal with things such as um, substance abuse and suicide and, and, um, and a number of different issues that, you know, high stress. We're not healthy people. And 
me being lucky enough to work with a life coach just made me realize what an impact I was having on my life, my personal life, and also my professional life. And that made me want to do something for other physicians. And I have been mentoring, and I think I've talked about this in other podcasts, that I have been mentoring pre-med students quite a bit, but I also felt the need to make a difference in physicians' careers and lives as well. And so um, that's kind of how I made the pivot. And it was also a matter of wanting to contribute in a different way. So it's kind of a number of these factors coming all coming together. And I think when you're headed towards 50, you start looking at your life overall. You like you look at the big picture. I think when we're in our 30s and 40s, we're focused on career and kids and marriage. And then as we start to shift into our 50s, we start looking at what kind of contribution do we want to leave? You know, what is our legacy of our life that we've had here? And so all these thoughts kind of contributed and were factors in me deciding to pivot and and become a life coach. Now, how long did it take you to spin on, oh my gosh, I'm doing well as a radiologist and I know everything looks good on paper, but I know I want more. Oh my God, could I really make that change? Like how long was that phase? For me, it was not a long period of time. Wow. Yeah, I'd have to say that um, to, to make the decision to become a life coach, that part of it was not a long period of time. But at the same time, I was still planning to work full time as a radiologist. It, over the years, I've transitioned and I'm working less hours now, more like 0.8 in terms of part time. And so that was, it, I'd have to say there's like different steps along the way, right? So the first step is to decide that I want to be a life coach. And I'll, I'm like, I'll, I'll figure out how to do the training and work full time. I'll figure out how to, you know, add in the life coaching. And I did it in the evening and around my radiology hours and things like that. But then when you get to this place where you're like, oh, wow, my practice has grown as a life coach. And so I need to find balance, right? Because we're always talking about balance with our <laughs> clients. So at some point, you have to listen to what you're saying to other people. And then you try to get a little bit more balance. So that was a hard that was a hard decision to go to point eight, I would have to say, yes. So that's yes. where it, it really was the factor, yeah. Right, because you're really putting your money where your mouth is at that point, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. like as long as you're just hurting yourself with overextending yourself and like working crazy hours and studying and getting credentials, as long as it's just affecting you, it's no big deal. But as soon as you have to make an actual change... Um, I love that you did that part-time. And I think when people think about, a lot of my clients and in my community, when we think about making a pivot, one of the reasons it feels so scary is because right away, you're thinking about it as a black and white issue. Like it has to either be this or it has to be that. And what you came up with was an intermediate step. And I think for so many of us, an intermediate step is a viable option. Was it hard for you to, like, once you made the decision to go 0.8, did you feel that it was hard to make that happen? Had other people that you knew been making that choice? Uh, there were a couple of my other partners at work that had chosen to decrease their hours. I had worked full time for 10 years straight and it never had really entered my head. And then I also have to factor in that I had a kid in college, right? So I'm having to pay tuition as well. So I have like an an added expense on top of like my normal everyday living expenses that I have to to calculate in here. So it had not entered my mind that I was going to be going part-time. And it's so funny because it's an obvious idea, but it's not obvious to me, right? So I'm like, how can I do this? How can I juggle this? How can I do my sex coaching? And how can I also do, you know, my radiology full-time? And how can I make sure that I'm there for my patients and for my clients, you know? And then it's like, um, hello? What about if you just like, and you do tend to see things black and white until you realize that there is a gray area. And that's where also a life coach can help you with that too. Because, you know, I think it was one of my life coaches that suggested that. It's like, well, what about a point eight? What about just decreasing it a little bit? Not like ending one career and and switching to another, but how about just making it a little bit more of a balance for you, right? And when you can open your mind to the possibility then you can actually see how, how it could happen, how you could make it happen. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny now that I'm, I'm thinking about it. Way back in 1995, um, there was a big layoff or a big restructuring. Something was going on where I work. And they were, I knew that people's jobs and my job was probably vulnerable. And I offered going part-time way back then. I was just, um, I think, in between my first and second mat leave. and. Uh, it, it had never occurred to me either. It never, ever occurred to me. But at that point in my 
um, life with a baby. And maybe, like I said, I think I had a baby on the way. I was thinking, oh, this might be a viable option. And what was so interesting was I did go down to point six and I had point six for 18 of my 19 years there. And over the years, I had so many people approaching me as to how I did that, as to is there a way that they could do that too? Because I guess it's just not an option that so many of us even consider um, in a place where most people are working full time. So anyway, I'm so glad that that uh, dawned on you eventually. (laughs) And it created that bridge that you needed to get started and to get your feet wet. Awesome. All right. So now let's talk about sex. So why a sex coach from radiology? <laughs> so why radiology to sex coach? So, and we have that intimate, intermittent step, right? We have radiology to life coaching overall. Oh, right. <laughs> a life coaching, physician life coaching. And I had done that since 2016. And the issue is coming up again and again about intimacy, just overall intimacy in their relationships. And then also the sexual intimacy was also coming out too. And I was actually dealing with it in my own relationship. And so I had to get to this point where I had to deal with it myself. And when I dealt with the situation, then I realized, oh, this is like being on the other side, you know? And for me, it was a lot of shame and isolation. I couldn't talk about it. Who could I, you know, discuss this with? And when I went and got the help that I needed, it was just like a big weight off of my shoulder. And I realized what a huge difference that this could make. And, and I wanted to be there for my clients and I, I didn't want anybody else, any other woman to suffer with this like emotional pain and isolation. So I went and I got a year's worth of training as a sexual counselor. And then I kind of put that into my practice as a, you know, the life coach and brought it in to become uh, eventually a sex coach. It wasn't originally what my, my plan was, but eventually I did transition to mainly doing a sex coach. But, you know, when you do sex coaching, it's all about life as well, right? Because life affects sex and sex affects all aspects of life. So it's like, I'm glad I have the overall life coaching skills and then added in the sexual counseling. Oh my gosh. I love that you talked about your journey because this is another reason that people find themselves so stuck is they think that they have to have it all figured out before they take that baby step and dip their toe in the water. And Again, this is something I've heard time and time again that most of the time we don't have it all figured out, but we don't trust the journey we're on. And it's impossible to have it all figured out. So you didn't have it all figured out. And then look what happened. You found your passion. No pun intended. (laughs) And now I help other people find theirs, right? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It's so good. All right. So tell us, why is this such a problem in midlife? Why are midlife women having a massive hiccup when it comes to sex? What's going on? I love working with midlife women. That's why I'm the midlife sex coach for women, right? Because this is like the defining time. This is how you, you, you decide if you're going to take control of this issue. Because I love the fact, I, I talk to my clients about being sexual into their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, till the day they pop off, right? But the midlife is that time where you have to make that decision, right? Because there are so many factors that come into play at this point. You're dealing with the career, you're dealing with your marriage, you're dealing with your kids. They may be younger, they may be older, but each phase that your children are in, it has its individual challenges, right? And, and so you've got all those things. At this point, your hormones are shifting, your body is changing, your concept about yourself as a woman is shifting from you know uh, fertility and re- reproduction over to who are you as a woman? You know, after your reproductive years are over, you know, what exactly is the purpose of your life if it's not raising the kids and having the major questions are what you start asking yourself during the midlife, right? And I'd like to interject that question about who do you want to be as a sexual being, you know? And if it has not been the case that you've been able to um, align yourself and, and have this understanding that you are a sexual being and you get to have pleasure just for you, then this is the time that I like to kind of bring it to people's attention and, and talk to them about it, you know? So yes, definitely the midlife time. I, I love it. It's wonderful. Me too is such an... Well, we're both focusing on the same part of life, just from a slightly different perspective. And um, I just see it as such an opportunity. And I think that issue is the same when it comes to sex. Like women our age don't see it as an opportunity. A lot of times people are not thinking about career change as an opportunity or as it being a really rich and amazing time to make new friends 
or to start new habits. And just because things have been the way they have been for 20, 30, 40 years doesn't mean that it can't be something new now. And with sex, I also uh, don't hear a lot of talk about it. Oh, this is going to be the most exciting time in my life sexually (laughs) going forward. It just, there's a disconnect there. Why do you think that is? You know, that, that's an interesting question. I love how you say it's an opportunity. It is definitely an opportunity, but it's an opportunity to look at our thoughts around aging and, and, and who we are. Look at our identity. It's, it's the, a wonderful opportunity to decide who you're going to be. I like to say you are the sculptor and the sculpture at the same time. You are the one that gets to create who you are, right? And this is a point where you take it into your consideration. You choose who you want to be in the future. Some people might choose by default, which is by not making a choice, right? Yes. Yeah, that is sad. And that is the whole oblivious thing that goes on in midlife of just coasting in autopilot crazy mode um, in terms of chaos, right? So you're just going from this person needs me. Okay, I'll focus here. Uh, This person needs me. Okay, I'll focus here. Oh, I lost my job. Okay, I guess I'll focus on that. Versus being incredibly intentional about all parts of your life, including sex. And you know, as you're speaking about this, one of the things that's so common in midlife are these wake-up calls. And we have a wake-up call. We don't often know it is a wake-up call at the time, (laughs) but it's on reflection. And I describe a wake-up call as something that's jarring. And one of the things that I noticed over the years that was jarring in terms of sexual identity was not even menopause but it was that decision to stop using birth control. And it was so weird for me. I'd been on the pill for, I don't know, 30 years. And then I had to switch into using an IUD. And I had some difficulty removing the IUD. So that turned into a whole thing with doctor's visits and this and that. And then it was quite painful at the end of all of that. And I just remember thinking, and it was jarring for years after that. It's like, oh, what am I forgetting? Oh, I, oh, wait, I don't need that anymore. So it's that, oh, I'm in this new phase. I don't need that anymore. Um, was very personal. It was a very personal thing. And it was part of that identity shift for me. It was, um, I didn't expect it. I just thought I'd be relieved not to have to deal with birth control. And I found it a little bit confusing and very much, you know, a habit to think about it. Yeah, you know, it's because when you're letting go of the needing the birth control, control, you're also letting go of your concept of yourself as like fertile and, and reproduction. And that's what the role of a mother, you know, a woman is as a mother, right? That's an integral part of I, I, our identity is the mother and giving birth and that type of thing. And then you're recognizing you're shifting into a new phase. And who is this? Like, I have no idea who this new person is, you know, who am I? I have spent all my life or majority of it taking care of somebody else and being there for somebody else. And now everything is shifting. And so I like to help my clients understand a loss has occurred here. We don't want to just shift over and go straight into, okay, let's celebrate. We're going into midlife. We're going to take care of this. It's all going to be fabulous. We can take a time to, to say, okay, things are shifting and changing here. And recognize what was and what may not be in the future. And then shift into who do you want to be? Do you want to be intentional about this as to who you want to be from this point forward? You know, you get to, and, and then some people, some people can't comprehend what their life is going to be like when they shift this identity. And when I tell them they probably have another 40 to 50 years and 40 to 50 years as a sexual being, when sex has been tied to reproduction or, t- or, you know, at least blocking reproduction in some way. And now it's like, what is the focus and what is the purpose for sex? Let's look at this and let's redefine who we are as a sexual being. Oh, that's so good. And yeah, a lot of my clients talk about the loss from the emptiness perspective, but this is really a very personal loss and self-concept. Empty nest is also self-concept, but this is another spin on it. So yeah, that's so good. So one of the things I've heard you talk about before that I really wanted you to share here for the other women in the middle to hear is this to-do list concept. So can you please talk about that? Because I think this is amazing. Yeah, you know, to-do list sex. So I was seeing this again and again and again, 
And it just seemed to me like um, there was this focus on efficiency. Like you, people would sit there and they'd go, women would be saying, okay, I don't think I've had sex in two to three weeks. My partner's going to be talking to me about this. It's going to be complaining. Oh, geez, why don't I just put it on my list and then take care of it? I'll just write sex on and then I'll just make sure I take care of it in the next couple of days. And I can check it off my list, right? And their fun was coming from being efficient and being like, yes, I got that off my list. I don't have to worry about it for another three weeks or whatever, right? It was not coming from, oh, sex. Oh, I'd really love to have some of that. I I need a little bit more pleasure in my life. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I haven't had sex in a week or whatever, right? So it was this concept that it was about efficiency and not about intimacy. So I like to work with my clients with this concept of to-do list sex and shifting it from that concept over to for you sex. Where is Susie in all this, right? Where is my client in all this? Where is your pleasure? What would you like to get? And I like to focus on three aspects of for you sex, which would be pleasure, intimacy, and connection, you know, satisfaction is, you know, those are the important things. So I like my clients to come at it from a perspective of of pleasure, satisfaction, intimacy, the connection part of it, right? And, and then figure out what exactly they want, you know, how, how would they like to define for you sex? What is it that's important for them? And, and see it a slightly different way as opposed to, oh, I was efficient and I checked out that box. It's more like, ooh, that was fun. And I enjoyed that. Oh, my God. We love to check off boxes. We, <laughs> we are so good at making lists and checking off boxes. Um, but. For somebody who is disconnected with the concept of pleasure and defining what they want, yes. uh, what can you recommend to just get that, that first step to even shifting it that way? Because I agree, I have heard this a lot from midlife women in my community, that to-do list sex is, is really how it's looked at for so many. Yeah, you know, so, you know, I have a course, it's called Own Your Sexuality Now, and this course it actually has a whole module on pleasure, right? And this focus on not just sexual pleasure, but this concept of, as women, we don't focus on our pleasure just overall, right? No. Yeah, we don't, like, we're like, pleasure, our pleasure, what? Uh, what exactly is that? And th- that's the question, what exactly is that, right? So I, I work with my clients and talk to them about what brings you overall pleasure. And sometimes we have to define that, you know? Sometimes, you know, we talk about, joy, how you're experiencing that in your body, like what exactly is, what makes you happy? Like, is it walking in nature and hearing the birds sing early in the morning? What exactly is it that brings, that, that makes you feel a little bit more alive, that, that little bit of pleasure and joy that, that you feel in you? Is it taking a bath and relaxing, right? Is it exercising? So we start, is it walking in nature and being on a trail or something like that? Everybody has their own concept of what brings them joy and pleasure, right? So I start with general and overall. Is it holding a baby? What is it that brings you that pleasure? So that they can, and then we talk about what that feels like in their body, right? So bringing them in, if the feeling is pleasure, then what is that feeling in your body? What does that feel like to you? So it's kind of like body memory. So you can be like, oh, right, that's what pleasure is. And then we kind of shift it over and slowly start looking at the sexual pleasure side of it. But I have to start with overall pleasure and getting my clients to understand that they are worthy of pleasure, that their pleasure is important. And, yeah, yeah. and we could talk a little bit about the pleasure gap as well when it comes to sex. But, you know, but we start with this overall concept of you're worthy of pleasure. What are your ideas about that? What do you think about that? You know, and, and let's talk about your pleasure. And then we shift it over to sexual pleasure. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because... Uh, you know, vision boards are very popular. And a vision board is just a visual tool for you to really identify what it is that you want in your life on purpose. And even that is challenging for some people to really say, yeah, I want this and it's okay. What is the pleasure gap? Let's talk about that. Yeah, the pleasure gap is an interesting concept. And basically, it's when we're talking about heterosexual sexual interactions, right? And we're finding that men level of pleasure is like 85, 90% of the time they're having pleasure and enjoying the, the sexual experience. But the women, their pleasure percentage is like in the 60s, right? So there's this gap in terms of 
women are enjoying themselves about 60, 65% of the time, whereas men may be enjoying themselves at 80 and 85% of the time. Now, if we're talking about women having sex with women, that tends to be more equal in terms of the level of their pleasure between the partners, right? Wow. Men having sex with men, they seem to be having, you know, a good amount of pleasure that's equal. But when we're talking about heterosexual sexual interactions, there is this gap there between the pleasure that the men are experiencing and the pleasure that the women are experiencing. Tell us more. That is so not surprising and so sad. Well, part of it is, you know, women in general, where we have this concept of service, but then we also have this concept that we have a lot on our list to do. And if I could just slap on some lube and get this done and check it off my to-do list and, and not really focus on my pleasure, then that's okay, right? <laughs> uh, so part of it is because we don't necessarily think that, um, that it's an optimal thing. Like our pleasure has to be a priority at the same level as our partner pleasure has yes. to be, right? And so we have not, it, it's nice if it occurs, but it's not a requirement, right? So, but we need to get in our mind that it should be a requirement. Like if you're engaging in sex, make it pleasurable for you, whatever you need to do. But part of it also is that um, maybe the experience is not exactly what you want it to be, but it's hard having a communication and talking to your partner about this, right? Maybe you need more clitoral stimulation and, you know, my little friend. Oh, oh my gosh. Sonia is is sharing this little thing she's got in her hand that looks like a, a model. Is that the exact size? That's yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty much the size. So this is a 3D replica of the clitoris, right? And so people think it's this little nubbin just here at the top. Yeah. But it actually goes down the lips of your vulva and around partially around the opening to your vagina, right? I so had no idea. <laughs> so this being the case, like you don't have a lot of you don't really have clitoris inside of your vagina, right? You have it more on, around the surface of your, of your vulva region, right? So that's where you're going to need a lot of your stimulation. Yes, there's people that have um, pleasure and orgasm um, from penetrative sex alone, but there needs to be more stimulation to a woman's vulva most of the time. Like 15% of the time, a woman can, or women can have an orgasm from penetrative sex alone. 85% of the time, women need some sort of stimulation to their vulva, to their clitoris, in order to have a higher level of pleasure, right? And so this needs to be a concept that we all understand and engage in, right? If 85% of women will get their orgasms and their pleasure from stimulation to the vulva, we need to make sure that that is known and understood and that that is a priority, right? Well, okay. So I'm 57 and I had never seen a 3D model like that. Yeah, I had now. I am not a doctor, and I I had no idea that that's actually what it looked like down there, at least inside, right? Yeah. So I think what I've learned from doing this podcast and doing this work is that I'm pretty representative, <laughs> and I think women our age did not grow up with this kind of understanding and awareness. Um, now I know a 3D model is extreme, like that is really getting into the nitty gritty. Right. Um, that needs to be explained. Yeah, definitely. And it's wow. women in their 50s. It's, you know, women in their 40s, women in their 30s, some women in their 20s. It's not just, you know, it's not just women in midlife. It, we're not being taught this information, right? Okay, good. It, it's not just you, but I have to say that it, it is something that needs to get out there. We need to have an understanding of this. If we understood our anatomy, and that's why, like in my course, anatomy is part of it. We spend a lot of time talking about the vulva. And, you know, and I encourage my clients and I'm going to encourage your audience to explore your vulva, you know, spend some time looking at it, spend some time with self-pleasure. I believe very much in self-pleasure because you need to understand and know your own body before you can tell your partner about it. And it's not fair to the partner either, like to, that, that it's all on them. Like the responsibility for your sexuality, it's your responsibility. It's not your partner's responsibility. And here's your partner, most of the time a guy like that's trying to figure it all out and trying to make sure that they pleasure you and do what they can, but you don't even know what, what you enjoy, right? How are they yeah. supposed to figure it out? And you're not telling them. <laughs> and you're not telling them. That's it. Like the whole thing is just complicated and right. it starts with us not even understanding our anatomy. Right. Oh exactly. my gosh. You're going to end up making those into keychains or something, I think. <laughs> 
So how do you suggest we do that exploration? Are you talking about toys? Well, I mean, I always love toys. I used to work in a sex toy store. So yes, I love <laughs> toys. But no, you don't need toys. Um, some lube would be nice. And I, I usually suggest Uber Lube because that's uh, usually most people don't have uh, get any reactions to that. That is like um, a silicone base. Uh, so I like Uber Lube, but you could just use coconut oil, whatever you'd like. But basically what it is, is just have some private time with yourself, right? And just relax. You know, if you want to pay some nice music, you know, it's just like having a, a sexy date with yourself, right? And, learn and, and figure out what your body likes. And it's not necessarily like you have to have an orgasm. I always think orgasms are fabulous. Go for it, right? But it, it's about exploring your body and figuring out, oh, I like to be touched on this side more so than that side. Oh, I thought the clitoris was just this little nubbin up here. But as I figure it out and I feel my vulva, I recognize that I actually like it on the left a little lower, right? So like you get really specific as to where your pleasure comes from and, and what type of pressure do you like, right? What type of motion do you like? So manual is completely fine. If you want to add in a toy, there's a lot of fun toys out there and you get to add in those toys. You get to have fun with this. So yes. Oh my God, Sonia, I'm having this flashback to the, <laughs> the first vibrator I purchased. You're not even going to believe where it was, although who knows? I'm sure this was, you know, way before online shopping where you could do anything privately. It was at Spencer's in the mall. Do you remember oh, Spencer's? Spencer's? Thank God for Spencer's. <laughs> it was so risky just going into Spencer's, you know, <laughs> like you're like, oh my goodness, I'm going to go into Spencer's. Bad things happen here, right? Or like, oh my God. Oh my God. That is so, so funny. Um, I love. I it. haven't thought about that in a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good, and thank God for Spencer's. Is all I have to say. Thank God for Spencer's because this was a place that you could go and you could explore and be a little different, right? And expose yourself to different things. And that's kind of what we're doing now, right? You can explore. You have give yourself permission, right? So your podcast is is kind of like a Spencer's for midlife women, right? <laughs> I think you're right. As the permission to explore different thoughts that we might not have looked at previously, right? And we get the chance to explore and look at different items. You know, every week you give us a different item to look at. This week you're just talking about sex, our sexual intimacy. And thank you for this, you know? Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still thinking about that keychain idea. Oh my God. Um, no, but you, you really, you were really highlighting a couple of reasons that there is discomfort. Um, there's ignorance. You know, we just don't know what's going on down there, many of us. And the other thing is talking about it, which is challenging too, or it can be. Um, but there is some discomfort down there in midlife. I okay. wonder if you could talk yeah, a little I, bit about I, I, that. I got to interrupt you. Okay, interrupt. I love, I love you so much. But down there, like even if we use the word down there, like we had to at some point, we were going to like consider using the word vulva. Or just, you know, just consider. Because <laughs> when we say down there, we're not really being specific. And then it kind of highlights um, the fact that we can't own it as our own and we can't put a name to it and stuff like that. So it, thank you for giving me that example so that we can all look at this and, and decide, you know, can we use like the terminology? Can we get to this place where we're comfortable saying our vulva, right? Because it is beautiful. And it, it is miraculous. And I love the clitoris because its only function is your pleasure, right? This Sonia is holding up that clitoris again. Yeah, back at the clitoris. Don't get me started. I, I got a vulva puppet over here. So I can really oh my gosh. I have to tell you, though, thanks for pointing that out because um, I had to go to the doctor a couple of years ago because I had uh, something that needed to be investigated. I needed a test. And I was given um, a sheet called vulva hygiene at the end of that test. I was just so relieved I didn't have cancer. Um, but I thought to myself, I don't even know exactly where the vulva is. Like, where does the vulva start? Where does the clitoris start? Where does the vagina end? Because I am very unfamiliar with the details of the anatomy. So the reason I just didn't say that was because I don't have e uh, extreme comfort on how to use that term. Yeah, exactly. But I know that your audience listens to you. And what Susie does makes them think about things too. And that's why I'm challenging you with the word vulva because okay, I Okay, okay, I'll say vulva. 
<laughs> your audience will be like, oh, well, Susie does it. Well, then, hey, <laughs> I'm going to do it too, right? But, you're, but you are highlighting something that's important. We have not been given permission to even acknowledge the fact that we have a vulva or what it is, right? So a little boy is born. And honestly, if you look in the ultrasounds, because I'm a radiologist, they're holding on to their penis, right? Really? Yeah. They're they're like, hey, there's something floating in the breeze here. (laughs) Like, check it out and see what it is, right? And probably (laughs) little girls are checking out their vulva too, right? But then they come out into the world and the world allows certain things for one gender, not necessarily for the other. And there's more than one, two genders, but, you know, specifically like if you're a little girl, you're told don't touch that. You're, if you're a little boy, right, you're not roaming around. But if you're a mother of a little boy, you know that thing gets touched, right? The penis, they're like, hey, what's this? They're investigating from an early age, right? Yeah. But girls are not encouraged to investigate their own body from an early age. So we don't have ownership of our vulva. So this is something that's so important is that we take ownership. We take ownership of the word. We take ownership of our body. And we take ownership of our ability to touch our body and to say, this is my vulva and this is how it gives me pleasure. And these are the parts of my vulva. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. Okay. Now, the other thing I did want you to talk about, though, is discomfort with sex, physical discomfort related to midlife. So can you talk about menopause or however you want to frame this up? Um, This comes up a lot. Yes. So I always refer to and defer to the uh, gynecologist. I make it very clear that I'm a pediatric radiologist and I understand some of the basic concepts. So, but if somebody comes to me and they say that they're having pain, which I make sure that everybody understands that pain is not necessary with sex, right? If you're having discomfort, if you're having pain, go check in with your gynecologist, check in with your urologist, figure out what's going on. Things can be done. And if that one gynecologist doesn't necessarily know, there's other ones out there that do. I'm just being clear that you do not have to suffer. It does not yes. have to be painful. That's like the, the first point. The second point that I have to say is lube, 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 lube. So lube is everything, right? So when we're getting into midlife and our hormones are shifting and we, um, and we may not have as much lubrication as we do pro- previously, then it's fine. Uber lube and some other lubes, they have beautiful little bottles, right? And it can just sit on your bedside table. And actually, I love Uberlube because like you can squirt it on your hand, you can put it on your vulva, you can put it on your partner's or dildo or your penis or whatever your partner has. Like you can put more lube than you think that you need and, and have this understanding that you can continue to replenish the lube. Like if you need it, put more lube on it. It's not like a one and done thing, right? Mm. Now, if you're talking silicon lube, which Uberlube is silicon-based lube, then that usually stays on the surface of the skin and it doesn't get absorbed. If it's a water-based lubricant, and there's some great water-based lubricants out there, you need to understand that those will get absorbed into your body, and so you will need to be putting more on. So those are kind of like the basic concepts. Then there's, um, there's the hormone replacement therapy, that, which could be systemic, or it could be local, just on your vulva or in your vagina, and that's something to talk about with your, um, your gynecologist as well. And there's a lot of different options out there, and talk with your gynecologist about those different options, right? but you don't have to have pain and discomfort with sex. So definitely pain and discomfort. If you don't want it, no, that's not necessary. Use lots of lube. And then um, it's also important that you have sex and you masturbate because you need to make sure you continue to have blood flow going to your vulva region and to your vagina. So it, it's, it's another reason, another good, healthy reason to self-pleasure because it, it, if you're going to, it's use it or lose it type of thing. If you don't get the blood flow flowing to your vulva region, you know, it can atrophy. Yeah. Oh, okay. So atrophy is the word that I just wanted to share with you. So uh, a couple of years ago, I was in my doctor's office, you know, getting my blood pressure checked, sitting on the, sitting on the table and she left the room and I was just looking around the room, you know, reading posters (laughs) and there was a big poster on the wall that said vaginal atrophy, vagina atrophy. I had never heard of it before, and I was so taken aback with the word atrophy. Um, now, I know, well, I don't know much, but I, I just was, it just seemed so negative and so sad and so aging related, but, but I guess that's what we're talking about. Yes. Well, first, there's the thoughts, right? There's the thoughts about it. We all have our thoughts about aging and things, and we hear the word atrophy, and we think of it as a negative thing. We can choose to think of it as a negative thing, 
or we can decide that it's neutral and what are we going to do about it, right? So there's that aspect of it. But this is something that's important, and I'm glad that they put that up there because otherwise you might not have known it. It's not like we're sitting down around drinking cups of tea going, my vagina's atrophying, how's yours doing? You know, we're not doing that, right? People aren't talking about it. But when we talk about atrophy, it can shrink. It can shrink in length. It can shrink in terms of diameter. Like, it can shrink. And so this is another thing that you need to be aware of. And um, there's definitely things that can be done to make it, to improve it. And, and that's why I also leave that to the gynecologist. But uh, we do need to have this understanding and this awareness that this can happen. If it does happen, you can have, um, you can deal with it with hormones. You can have dilation. There's, there's other type of, um, uh, like a Mona Lisa laser type of thing. But there's different options that are available to reverse it and to improve it to a certain extent. But yes, it can occur. And it can shrink just like my height. Yeah, if you think about something that's not getting the blood flow and it's not being utilized, yeah, it can kind of shorten, it can shrink down, yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, I'm so glad you brought that stuff up. And I think what I'm really hearing from you is that we need to ask more questions. And even the idea that some of this stuff could be discussed with your gynecologist, I don't even know how many people think it's a real problem that can be solved, therefore I should seek a solution because of some of the other issues that you raised. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's why it's important for you to be doing this work, right? Thank you for bringing up these concepts with people and, 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 and getting it out there because your, your podcast is really important that we can get this message out there that if you're having pain, if you're having discomfort, if you're um, not able to have penetrative sex, you know, these type of things, something can be done about it. And it's a matter of talking about it. Now, as you say, it's not the easiest thing to talk about it sometimes, right? Definitely. Right. Sometimes yeah. it's not, even with your doctor. Right. And, some, and that's okay. But all that you have to do is just start the conversation, right? Just and, and, you know, sometimes it is about like checking online and kind of getting an idea, but sometimes it, it is about, you know, just saying, I heard about this concept of vaginal atrophy. Can you tell me more about it? Like, you don't have to say, like, I, I can't have penetrative sex. Maybe that's the next part of the conversation that you have. And, or you're like, I think that I'm having some discomfort with sex or, you know, but the foundation of that has to be, you are a sexual being and you are allowed to be sexual into your 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 100, you know, like it's just, this is just, it's just like a human right, right? It's, it's just a basic underlying issue. And if you're not able to have pleasure and you want to engage in it, then we're going to do something about it. And it's your right to bring up this topic. Now. Um, yeah, I get very. <laughs> I, get I love it. You know, I'm still, I'm still just thinking back to my reaction to that poster that said atrophy. You're right. Like it was neutral, and my reaction to it was like, oh, oh my god, atrophy. Um, yeah, I had just never seen a word like that used about one of my body parts. <laughs> but I mean, like, if you heard that word, like. If somebody said, oh, your hair is atrophying, right? Then you'd be like, oh, well, let's look at, let's go talk to the hairdresser. Let's see, you know, what exactly can I do? Can I get some moisturizer there? Can I change the color if I want to? Can I, you know, add some, you know, extra hair? Like you would figure out what to do, right? If that was an issue for you. You're so right. You were so right about that because like even my eyebrows, like I, I, I have noticed and many of us have noticed that our eyebrows are thinning or they're lightening. So yes. that we don't even see them as much unless we do something about it. I have talked to people about that. Right, right. But that but, was the first time I saw that poster. Now, I don't know how many times I've had my blood pressure checked and that poster was there, but for whatever reason, I was looking around the office reading things and there was a big picture at the middle of the poster. I probably should have paid more attention so I wouldn't have that vulva conversation with you. <laughs> okay, Sonia. So we've learned a lot. We've covered a lot. I'm so glad you're here. Um, why, what, what would you say is the best advice to midlife women about their sexual health? Mental sexual health, right? Health. Yeah. Um, that it's your right to enjoy pleasure and, and it's your right to stay healthy throughout your lifespan. But it is something that you are going to have to take ownership of and you're going to make sure that it continues, right? And I like to see it as, um, it's not something that's going to be automatic, like it was there in your 20s and 30s, right? Now we're getting to this point where we are going to have to do something, be proactive to make sure that our sexual health is there. 
and to continue to have a good sex life, right? And so I like to think of it as this is a journey that you're going on and and it's an adventure, but it's something that's intentional now. It's not just something where you're like, hey, well, hey, that that works okay. Right now you have to make sure that you get to continue to have your, your sex life and enjoy it. And there might be some adjustments that you have to make. And are you willing to make those adjustments or are you going to shut it down? Are you going to shut your mind down? And also in midlife, and this is something we don't talk about as much either, in midlife, then we start, we might be fine sexually, but our partner may be starting to have issues. And nothing shuts down a sex life faster than a partner if they're male and they have erectile dysfunction or something going on and they can't solve the problem. They will shut it down. And, and there's quite a few women that come to me because it's their partner that's actually having a lot of sexual difficulties. But the women are taking it on as their problem. Like he's not attracted to me anymore. There's something that's wrong with me. And it's not that at all, but there isn't that communication there. And there isn't this ability to open up their mind and be creative in terms of there are a number of different ways that you can still be sexual and still enjoy yourself. So it's about intention, responsibility, thinking of it as an adventure and being willing to communicate and talk and have fun. And if you have any questions, like talk to me. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love that you talked about it being intentional and we can't just wing it like we used to in our twenties. When we were young and horny, like it didn't matter what we had on our to-do list. It rose to the top of the of the list and we got that done and it wasn't even a chore. And so things have definitely changed. And you know, it sounds like from what you're saying, we need to be as intentional with this part of our lives as every part of our lives if we want the meaning and fulfillment that we're looking for going forward. So I think that message came out loud and clear. You are so passionate about it. I love it. So tell us more about your course and how listeners can get in touch. Oh, yeah, sure. So my course is Own Your Sexuality Now. And it is a 12-week course. It's online and we have a weekly group uh, coaching session. And the modules take you from the very beginning. We're like, what exactly is happening with your sexual situation right now? And then our next module is like, what, who are you as a sexual being? And then we start talking about libido. Like you were just mentioning when you're horny, that's more of a spontaneous libido, but there's more of a receptive libido that we tend to go into in our midlife. And so we talk about the different type of libido and we talk about what we can do to increase your libido, right? And then we go into pleasure, right? We talk about pleasure, general pleasure, and specifically your pleasure. We look at body image because with women and sex, body image is always playing a part there, right? And then we we start talking about self-care and what that looks like, right? And then I shift into like a lot of the even more fun stuff. So then I start talking about the sexual smorgasbord. And we go through a long list of sexual activities that will make you go, oh my. (laughs) We start out from holding hands. And then by the end of this list, you're like, oh, I didn't even know about that, right? But the purpose of the sexual smorgasbord is for you to have the ability to check off and to circle some things that you might be interested in trying. And also this concept of you don't always have to have penetrative sex. The important part about sexual intimacy is satisfaction, pleasure, and connection, right? So what other acts of sexual intimacy can you have that will lead to those, that, that pleasure and satisfaction, right? So this list is to help you with that. And that's the sexual smorgasbord. So this checklist is okay. Yeah, this one is okay. <laughs> this is not a to-do list. This is the sexual smorgasbord fun list, right? It's all about fun, right? Sounds good. After the smorgasbord, then we go into toys because I love the toys and we are going to be talking about all the toys. And actually I have a, a sex toy store owner that comes in and talks about the toys. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So, and she brings all the different toys. And so you get to see all the different types of toys. And, and I'm actually going to try and get um, one of my friends that's a, a male sex toy store worker to tell us about the toys that are available for guys because there's more toys out there for guys too, right? So we put that in the course and then we work on your protocol, right? Just like you have a weight, uh, if you have a protocol, if you're losing weight, then there's a protocol for increasing the sexual intimacy in your relationship. And we work on that for the last three modules and then we are we wrap it up and then um, there you go. Oh my gosh, that sounds awesome. So I will include Sonia's contact information in the show, in the show notes. It's soniawrightmd.com. And all of that information will be available. Thank you so much. What a pleasure it's been to take a look at this part of our lives. Your enthusiasm and passion for sex and sexual health in midlife is is just infectious. 
<laughs> well, thank you so much for having me, Susie. I've really enjoyed this. And thank you for allowing me to talk to you about the vulva. <laughs> I appreciate that too. I love talking about the vulva. It's my new favorite word. <laughs> thank you very much. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. That's it for today's episode. What do you think? Do you have some work to do on being intentional in this part of your life too? I think that that is the main message I came away with, that midlife is a uniquely different part of your life in so many ways, including intimacy and sex. Oh my God, if you could have seen that little 3D model of the clitoris that Sonia kept referring to and holding up. (laughs) Seriously, we all need this as a keychain. I want to have Dr. Sonia as a special guest in the Finally First membership too, because I just know we need to understand our anatomy better than we do. Yes, so pleasure is where it's at, even now, atrophy, shrinkage, and all. I learned a lot, and I hope you did too. Today's interview puts a whole new spin and perspective on what midlife on purpose can really mean, and it can be way more fun for sure. My focus as a midlife coach is to help you waste less time spinning and feeling stuck. It's time to get excited about your life, your sex life, and your life in general. Remember, being the queen of your brain domain is the best way to be. Check out the show notes with more information and links at susierosenstein.com. Download my free e-guide, Nine Secrets to Get Unstuck in Your 50s at www.susierosenstein.com forward slash nine secrets. Want to connect more with me in the future? Awesome. Join the free Women in the Middle Community Facebook group where we continue the podcast conversation. Head over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash women in the middle community. And if you're ready to finally put yourself first, you can become a first lady. Join my new midlife membership, the Finally First Club. This is an upbeat virtual community for midlife women just like you who want to stop feeling stuck and confused and finally start making the changes you want in your next chapter. The clarity, courage, and connection you're looking for is only one click away. So join us there now. We're waiting for you. Head over to www.iamfinallyfirst.com. Let's do this, ladies. It's time for you to put yourself first one pleasurable moment at a time. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. 